0: I'll share something that may may, may, make you laugh or might make you fear. But I was in the 8.45 this morning, before, I normally go into the vestry just to pray. And I was praying, what have you got for us, uh, Lord, in this 2024?" like this? I think he was having a bit of a sense of humor because he says, I'm going to make you a dancing church. (laughs) And and that wasn't really, I mean, who, who felt a little bit, you know, when we started to sing that, in your power, send your power. I don't know about you, but I was like reminding myself I, I used to, when I lived in America in D.C., um, when, when I felt a bit dry, uh, I used to go to this um, uh, uh, Baptist church, and the teaching was amazing, but they didn't allow the Holy Spirit to move very much, um, and of course the Holy Spirit was moving because the Word was, was doing a lot, but I used to go down to the 12 o'clock... Ca- Roman Catholic gospel mass at the cathedral and boy did they know how to worship and the gospel you are know, like they they brought the cross in and you and they woo! it's like you know, so just be prepared St. Mungo's if you start your feet going you know what's happening <laughs> some of you going but you'll know it's the Lord if it happens well, this morning we start a new series uh, in, uh, in our church calendar and we're going to be thinking about what it means to be living the life of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're gonna, we're, I'm going to talk about I feel God's given me the next part of the vision which is really focused on discipleship which I think is really exciting. Uh, so I'll, I'll be sharing a bit more about that. But this morning I want to... Um, talk about new life in Jesus. Now, new is a word that we hear a lot of at this time. When I was coming into this service, everyone was going, Happy New Year. It was lovely. Thank you very much. And hopefully um, that you uh, have already gone to the Lord to ask what the Lord has for you this year. What new things the Lord has for you. In 2024. And there might be some other new things that you might be thinking about. Uh, I've started a new Bible um, reading plan. Um, and I'm very excited about that. I'm, uh, it's just great. I love getting into God's Word. I'm trying something completely different. I'm not doing a, 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 a reading the Gospel or reading through and then reading commentary. I'm just doing it by myself. And I'm writing notes. I'm writing a journal. And so far, it's been, I've been loving it. God's been showing me some new things and just encourage you to think about how you are getting into the Word. Or you might have started a new exercise routine. How long it will last? Well, that's up to you. But you might have done it. You might be thinking about a new energy plan so you can reduce your carbon output and costs this year. You might be looking for a new opportunity. I love this picture up on Facebook. Uh, this was the Bethany Care Van team from St. Mungo's going out to be Jesus in the streets. You might be looking for a new opportunity, maybe in a prayer cell or on the volunteer team or something in, com- in the community. Or you might just be looking to uh, unpack one of your new presents that you were given um, and use it, maybe read it, or you know, if it's a bike, get on it. Well, you get the point. New is a word we use a lot of at this time of year. And one of the verses that really caught my attention uh, last year and through into this new year is Romans 6 4, where it says this, because it has the word new. We therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We may live a new life. The old is gone, and in Jesus, the new has That's exciting, amen? Amen. Uh, Paul is reminding the Christians in Rome that the life that they now live is new. One for them by Christ's death and resurrection. And we too may live a new life. This verse reminds us that we are not just empowered by the Spirit, but summoned by Jesus as his disciples to live this new life in the power of the Spirit. But how did this come about? One of the things that uh, I carry in my pocket, and I'm hopefully trying not to buzz the microphone, is the cross that Malcolm, if you were here in 2019, I think it was 2019, when Malcolm did his vision talk, he gave us all a cross. And that's, I keep it in my pocket, it reminds me of what God did, what Jesus did for me in order to achieve this new life. And it's something that I, I often get out um, and hold in my hand to remind me throughout the day of what it costs God the Father and Jesus in order to allow me to have this new life. Uh, now this time we're going to be looking at what it, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Living the life that he calls us to. On a day to day basis. Not just on Sunday. But right across the week. And on the 21st, of Dave, Dave has already said we're going to have our joint AGM and vision talk. Here in Bolerno As I expand the vision of Be Love to us as a church. And I really appreciate your prayers for that. But this morning, I want to look at the message of the gospel that, if received, allows us to become disciples of Jesus. And I want to look at the big picture. I want to look at an overview so we know what, has been rest- what we lost and what has been restored. And I want to ask you a question this morning. I wonder who shared the gospel with you that allowed you to become a disciple of Jesus so you could live this new life who was it was it a friend did you have a friend in your youth or someone shared the gospel recently with you was it a family member did you you know in a sense always know God but at some point you made a commitment you heard the gospel Or was it through just a person, a Christian, who faithfully shared the gospel with you, was obedient to Jesus because they knew the power of the gospel? It's so important that we share the gospel because it's only by hearing the gospel that we can respond by believing in Jesus and start our new lives in him as his disciples. And Paul makes this very clear in Romans 10 when he says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? Everyone. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Right, we'll try and get a bit. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, if you want beautiful feet, go and share the gospel. You might not have them in the earthly, but you're having them heavenly, and that's far better. Amen? Amen. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You know, what we see clearly here is that someone needs to share the gospel in order for the person to respond to it. One of the first things Mark records Jesus declaring is this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the God. That's the gospel. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus went around proclaiming the good news, the gospel. In the Greek, euergenion uh, uh, means the good news. It's good news for us. As Jesus his witnesses, we are called and empowered to share the good news so that we can make disciples. It's key then that we understand the good news so that we can share it with others. So this morning, I want to take some time to do an overview of the gospel. Go right back to the beginning and see what was given to us at the beginning, what we lost, and what God is restoring to us through Jesus Christ. So there are four things that I want to share this morning. Firstly, we were created for a purpose by God. We were created for a purpose by God. Next, I'll look at we rejected God's purpose. Thirdly, God's redeeming purpose, how he's brought us back. And then fourthly, how do we respond to this? So we're all clear on the, on the, the complete plan of God because it is a complete plan. So firstly, we are created for a purpose. You know, Before I received new life in Jesus, I tried to find out what my purpose was in my teenage and my early 20s. And it didn't go too well, I have to say. The underlying problem was that I did not know the purpose for which I had been created. There was, I couldn't find any fulfillment because I, had, I didn't know that purpose. And knowing why we exist, our purpose, helps us to understand who we are and how to live this life. You, know, So many people are asking, how do I live my life? Who am I? Well, when we actually discover the gospel, we understand those things because we're given a purpose. Our culture tells us the primary purpose of our lives is happiness, is our happiness. And we see that. Yeah, Ellie was trying to tell me that in the car the other day, which led to an interesting conversation, because what we think will bring us happiness often doesn't. I know that before following Jesus and receiving the gospel, this is how I lived. I looked to achieve this happiness by experience, pleasure, by being in relationship uh, and having friendships and acquiring possessions, gaining position and power through accomplishing good things, which are mostly short-term goals and were pretty selfish. In my talk with Ellie, I tried to explain that happiness is worldly and comes from the things of this world. It's not bad, but there is something called joy that comes from discovering who we are and living out our God-given purpose in how we live our lives as disciples of Jesus, as children of God. As we read through the Bible, but especially in the beginning of the, of the book in Genesis, we see that God created humanity for a specific purpose. God created us to be his image-bearers here on earth, to be in relationship with him and others, and to live in his life-giving presence. So this is this is part of the fact that God gives us, he created us for a purpose. These are just three of the things that God created us for. Firstly, to be his image bearers. In the beginning, God created humanity in his image to be his image bearers on earth and to rule. I love how it says in Genesis, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the earth, living, living creatures that Moves on the ground. Humanity was created to represent God here on Earth, and He gave humanity the responsibility for this Earth to rule. But God also created us to be in relationship with Him and with others. And we read about it in Genesis again. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that's how we were meant to be created. We are created to be in the presence of God. To walk with God. That one day when all things are restored, we'll be in the city of God and God will be at the, the midst of that city and we'll see him. We'll be with him. We'll walk with him. It also says in Genesis, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You know, God created us in his image and to be in relationship with him and with others. Why? Because it's good for us to be in relationship with others. We're not created to live alone. Your know, loneliness, as we see in our culture, is one of the deadliest silent killers. So we were created as his image bearers. We were created to, to live in his presence. Uh, and we were created to live in his, well, sorry, we were created to live in his life-giving presence. In the beginning, what flowed from being in a right relationship with God, allowing him to define what was good and evil, brought life, not death. There was no sickness, no disease, just life in God. In the beginning, when humanity lived in a right relationship with God, in a sinless world, everything was good. That's what we have to hold up. Everything was good. So we see God created humanity for a purpose, to be his image bearers here on earth. Um, and to rule over the earth, to be in relationship with him and others, and to live in his life-giving presence. And it was good. It was good. It was. It was really good. (laughs) And the sad thing is, is that we rejected that. What happened? You know, for, for relationships to be really Real and healthy. There needs to be choice, doesn't there? Choice to love. Choice to obey. And any relationship, which one person has no choice is not a relationship. And when God created humanity in his image, in relationship with him, he gave us the ability to choose, to obey him or not. Listen to this in Genesis 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it from it, you will certainly die. We know the outcome, sadly, don't we? Humanity chose to eat from the tree of good and evil, for, and to, to define what was good and evil for themselves, not to obey and trust God, and therefore sin came into the world. And just before you think, well, well, is that really me? Paul makes it clear in Romans at 3.23, for all have sinned. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And three things that were affected as a result of sin entering the world was this. Firstly, the image of God in humanity was distorted. The image of God in humanity was distorted. And we see the results of this in everyday life, don't we? I mean, just look at the world at the moment. How humanity often looks to hate and not to love. You see it all the time on social media. Hold on to bitterness and not offer forgiveness. Seeking justice and not justice. War and not peace. This is not how we were created to live from the beginning. So we see the image of God has been distorted in us. Our relationship with God was broken through sin. We became separated from God, no longer living in his presence. We look to other things to find fulfillment, which brings short-term happiness, but not eternal joy. And then humanity's greatest enemy, death, entered the world. As sin entered the world, with it came death. Romans, it states, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. And death is the brutal enemy of humanity, especially when there's no hope. Humanity's choice to sin had a catastrophic effect, not just on humanity, but on the world. And the consequences for humanity are made clear. For the wages of sin is death. Humanity was without hope, but the good news is that when all seem hopeless, God set into action his redeeming purpose, which he'd been bringing about throughout what we see in the Old Testament, and just read the Old Testament, you see it there, how uh, he chose a family, he chose Abraham, how his blessing, the promises, the amazing promises that he gave Abraham, is fulfilled in Christ and fulfilled in us. And there we see God's redeeming plan and purpose come in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a good book or film which has a redemptive message. Anyone else? You, know, you we could, If we shouted out some of the films or books, we'd probably say the same things. Yeah, I love Shawshank Redemption. I mean, I'll watch that film you know, quite a few times, I have to admit. Or one that probably is not well known, and I'm not even sure you can find it, but it's called The Spitfire Grill. It's an amazing American film. It's a film about redemption. How about Schindler's List? And one that I've just seen, which I'd really encourage you, but get your box of tissues because it will make you one cry, it'll make you pray, is Sound of Freedom that's just been released. When there seems to be no hope, no way, there is a way made and hope is found. And God's purpose has always been to redeem us because that is who he is. He's a redeeming God. There are three things I want us to see about God's redeeming purpose from John three sixteen. So let's just read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. The three things I want to see teach us more about who God is and his love for us. The first thing about God's redeeming plan is that he did it out of his great love for this world. He did, it. he did this himself, and he did this to redeem us. So let's take each one. He did this out of his great love for the world. The reason God sent his redemptive purpose into action was his love for the world. For God so loved the world. He loves us. And the word used here for love is an active word. It's not a passive love. It's not like a, well, I love you. I'm up here. You're down here. You know, I love you in an active way. God so loved the world. And then we see how he did it. He did it himself. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. One of the things I really love about Christmas is that we get to look at um, some of the, the prophets and what God said through the prophets about sending this son, a son, a redeemer, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This was God's son. And this is the one who was given the name Jesus and the title Emmanuel, God with us. God came himself to redeem us. Why? Out of his great love for us. Because we couldn't solve the problem of our sin. And yet he came. And he did it to redeem us. It says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember, the wages of sin is death. It's our sin that makes us perish. But faith in Jesus redeems us and gives us eternal life. The earliest summary of the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15. It states this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And what that tells us is this this wasn't just some kind of random plan that God, Oh no, what's going to happen? God had planned this all the way through. And he had spoken it through his prophets. God's purpose through Jesus was to redeem us. Jesus died on a cross for our sins and was raised to life. By believing in him, anyone can be restored to be his image bearer again in this world be brought back into relationship with him and death defeated and that we can receive eternal life new life now you see that's why i started from right at the beginning because what has been lost is now being restored through jesus christ that's the good news of jesus christ that's the kingdom gospel that we can now be bearers of his image again, that he's restoring, he's transforming us back into who? To be like Jesus, so that we can be Jesus to this world. Christian means little Christ, little anointed one, to go into the world, to be loved, to share the gospel, and to bring others, to make others followers, disciples of Jesus. We've been brought back into relationship with him, so that we can know of his love and of his truth and we can live in his power and that death and sin have been conquered that's good news so how do we respond to God's redeeming purpose in Jesus what's our part well I want to use Acts 2 this morning To see how the first people who heard the gospel on the day of Pentecost, how they responded, and what Peter said they needed to do. So we see Peter. So the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has just come; they've just been empowered, and to share, and and they all go out and they start sharing the gospel. And all the Jews who are gathered in Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost hear the gospel. So they've heard the gospel. And it says, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When the people heard the gospel, they realized that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Anointed One. That he had accomplished through his death and resurrection the forgiveness of sins and the gift of new life, eternal life. And the people didn't just realize that. They didn't have a revelation. Their eyes went open. But they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And the first thing we must do to receive the good news is to believe in Jesus as our as our savior, as the Son of God, and we need to be really clear that Jesus is who He says He, he was and, and has accomplished what He said sent, was sent to. You know, I love C.S. Lewis quote from *Mere Christianity*. It says this: "I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying this the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher." You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let no one come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may be seen, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. You see, it all starts with believing, placing our faith in Jesus as our Savior. And we need to realize we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior, promised of old. To put our faith in Jesus means to trust God that he will save us. We don't deserve it. We've sung about that. But in his love and his grace and his mercy, he sent his son to save us, to die and to rise again. So the first thing we need to do is to believe in Jesus, that he is who he said he is, the son of God. And on the day of Pentecost, um, Peter shares the gospel. and, um, and, And they ask him, what must we do? What shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So as we believe, it leads us to repent and confess and be baptized. Believing in Jesus leads us to repent. This literally means that we are walking against God. You know, we're walking away from God. We're doing how we're living how we think we should live, and then we have a revelation of who Jesus is—that He died and rose again, and that we can have this forgiveness and new life. That we can be the image bearers of God. That we can have a life with Him restored, and that death and sin are defeated. And we, whoa, and we we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. That's what repent means. And as we repent, we receive forgiveness for our sins. This then leads us to confess Jesus as our Lord. Paul said in Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. and It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That means that if someone comes up to you and says, you're a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus? You go, "Uh uh-huh, I do. And they go, why? Well, let me tell you that you're ready to give a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, whether you're having a good day or a bad day. I love it when people say, oh, come on, oh, do you really believe Jesus is the Son of God? It's like, You know, if we will acknowledge him before the Father, he will acknowledge us. But if we don't acknowledge him before the Father, he will not acknowledge us. It cost him a lot to die for us, to win us everything back. and So we need to be ready to confess him. That leads to baptism. Baptism is an act of obedience but it doesn't save us. Baptism, we're making a public declaration to hold the church family and to our family and friends that we've died to self and that we've come alive in Jesus. And it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us by faith. That's the response. So this morning, I hope you've seen the outline, the overview of the gospel. We were created for a purpose by God, to be his image bearers here on earth and to rule, to be in relationship with him and others, to live in his life-giving presence. But sadly, we sinned. We thought we knew best. We rejected God's purpose, and the consequences were that the image of God in humanity was distorted. Our relationship with him was broken, and death entered the world. But we see how good God is With his redeeming purpose. And why did he do this? Why did he send Jesus? He did it out of his great love for the world. He kept his promise. Spoken through the prophets. And he came. He came himself. He sent his son. And he did this to redeem us. And in doing this. Jesus dying and rising. He smashed the power of sin and death over humanity. That if we believe in him we can receive. And then a response. We need to believe Jesus is who he said he was. The son of God. And our Savior. And this leads to us repenting of our sins. Confessing Jesus as Lord. And being baptized. And you might be here this morning. And you you might be saying. "Mm, This is interesting. I'm curious about Jesus. I'm not believing he is who he said he was. But I'm challenged by what C.S. Lewis said. I'm challenged by what you said. I'm here seeing there's a whole lot of people. Well there's an opportunity for your curiosity. To ask your questions. And that's in Alpha. Dave mentioned about it. It's starting in both Livingston and Bologna. And I'd really encourage you, if you're not a Christian yet and you haven't believed in Jesus, then why not come to Alpha? Free food. It's always a good reason. And it's good to be with people, isn't it? It's good just to chat, to get the things off your chest that you've been thinking about. And it provides an opportunity. But maybe you want to receive Jesus this morning. You've heard what Jesus has done for you. You know you need Jesus as your savior. I'm just going to say a prayer right now. And it's just going to be a really simple prayer. And at the end, if you want to receive Jesus, the start is just saying amen to that prayer. So, Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your promise in Jesus and you redeemed us from the power of sin and death. And that you now, through believing, confessing, repenting, that I can have new life in you, Jesus. And I ask forgiveness for the way I've lived my life. And I now turn to you and say, you are my Lord and Savior. Come and fill my life by your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you for the first time, why don't you come and see Dave or myself and tell us about it or the person you brought with and tell them about it you've just changed your whole eternal destiny and you've now got life life now and a new family i wonder if the band could come up but maybe you you've already believed maybe you're sitting here going well thanks for sharing i knew all that and it's always good at the new year to just be reminded but what is our response this morning Well, we've got the cross here, and I wonder this morning if we just come again to the cross and we thank God for keeping His promise. We thank the Father for His redeeming love, that in His mercy and grace, even though we didn't deserve it, He came and sent His Son. Maybe if you want to, you can come and kneel before the cross, or you can just do that where you are. Maybe again we just thank Jesus for going to the cross, for the obedience of the Father, for winning us this new life. And then maybe you just say, you want to say, Holy Spirit, I really want to live this life that you're calling me to. Would you fill me with fresh power to share the gospel this week? When we know the gospel, and we know the power and the transformation that it's brought in our lives, then it should encourage us to go and share it. So let's stand. And so you can come and you can, you can kneel down here if you want to. You can stay in your seat and just thank Jesus. Thank the Father. Ask to be filled with the Spirit. We're, just, we're, just, we're, we're all going to respond this morning. There's going to be no prayer ministry team. We're all just going to have a chance to respond in our own way. And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence right now. And I ask you to speak to each of us to know how we should respond to the glorious gospel that we've heard this morning. Just come, Holy Spirit. Whether that's to kneel, whether it's just to stand in praise, whether it's to thank, whether it's to ask a philly. Would you show us? There might be something else. I see just a step being taken Just encourage you, God is faithful. God is loving and true. It's the best decision you'll ever make to take that step into what he has for you. But ultimately, our response to the gospel is worship. So let's worship our Lord.